Welcome to Access Health Radio. Thank you for joining us on FM 98.5 and AM 680 WPTF on this Sunday afternoon. Once again, we are joined by Dr. Brian Forrest, board-certified family physician and CEO of Access Healthcare in Apex. We always like to acknowledge the companies that support our program, Doc. Thanks to Marley Drug in Winston-Salem for supporting our show. They mail order generic prescriptions directly to your home with free shipping, often at costs that are much lower than the big box pharmacies. They are a North Carolina pharmacy, but they will mail medications across the country to any state. And during this COVID-19 pandemic, it doesn't make sense to stand in line uh, with a bunch of potentially sick people when you can get your medicine delivered to your doorstep at a lower cost. Check them out at MarleyDrug.com. Dr. Forrest, if folks want more information on today's show or your practice in Apex, where can they go to find out that? Uh, If listeners want to send general non-emergent questions and possibly have their questions answered on the show, uh, they can go to our website at accesshealthradio.com. They can send an email to accesshealthradio at gmail.com. And if they want information about our medical practice in Apex, North Carolina, they can go to acchealth.com, that's A-C-C-H-E-A-L-T-H.com, or they can call us at 919-363-0190. Again, that's 919-363-0190. And after the show, if they miss part of it or if they have a family member that would like to hear the show, they can listen to an on-demand podcast at WPTF.com or We are also uh, stockpiling those on our uh, website at accesshealthradio.com. This week on Access Health Radio, we're pleased again to have audio prosthologist Victoria Bretan back again from Down East Hearing Care Associates. And Victoria, what will you be discussing today? Victoria, I think you said you wanted to talk today about amplification, and I'd imagine that more isn't actually better yes that's correct the same thing as less is not always better as well so we can talk about it two ways we can talk about as far as not having enough amplification first we can talk about that if you like what we look at with patients that don't have enough amplification over a period of time if they're not wearing hearing aids they'll form what we call auditory deprivation so it's when you provide one word to the patient or the person and the person thinks they're hearing something differently that's called auditory deprivation That gets worse over time when the person is not aided. Then when the person is properly aided, um, then we go back and rehabilitate the patient and get them back hearing the way they're supposed to hear. So that's going to improve their understanding. We call it discrim, understanding word discrim. And that will improve over a period of time. But then you have to make sure that that prescription, as your hearing changes, that your prescription is meeting that loss now. Because if you're under amplified, you have auditory deprivation. When you're over amplified, you can also have issues as well. So we have to make sure that you're equally balanced. So one of the things that we try to encourage patients is if you have a hearing impairment, go ahead and get yourself some help. Is it surgically that you need to take care of the issue, or is it something you can just use amplification and take care of the issue? If you're looking at amplification, you come my direction. If you're looking at medication, you go ear, nose, and throat direction, because they're the ones that are going to go a little bit further with you on the chemical end of it. On the amplification end of it, when a person is fitted with hearing instruments, if they are not targeted properly, they're also going to have some problems. But if they're over amplified, that is really a bad problem. When I look at a threshold, 
And I say, okay, when I look at this person's hearing threshold, this is what prescription I know I'm going to put on this patient. When they're over amplified and I go to put that prescription on the patient, I have to turn it up twice as loud because the person becomes what we call a power junkie. They're so used to being over amplified for so long that it becomes an issue over a period of time. When they start getting into their severe or their profound hearing losses, you'll never get anything strong enough or loud enough for that person to be able to hear properly. So what we try to do is encourage patients, don't go in there and just reach over to the counter and pick you up an over-the-counter type hearing aid that's an amplifier and put it on your ears and wear it all the time. If you're going to wear it once in a while is one thing, like you need it for an emergency situation or you need it for just for a few days till you get your product where it needs to be then it's okay. But if you're going to use something day after day after day, it's like wearing eyeglasses that are too strong. It's going to shift your eyes. It's going to make your eyes have more of an impairment. And then you're going to have to go with stronger glasses. Same thing with hearing. If you're over amplified, then you have to go stronger with your prescription. But the thing is, you can reverse it. You have to go back and slowly work yourself back to lowering your volume to retrain your brain how to hear again the way it's supposed to be. Let me ask you this. Would you say being fitted to the right instrument is extremely important? Yes. If you have a flat loss, meaning there's really not a lot of fluctuation in between the hair cells, there's not a lot of gaps and differences between one hair cell to the next, they're basically very similar across the board, similar in numbers, um, then you can go fairly flat. When the person's hearing starts to slope, starts to have more like in your lower frequencies, which is your heavy stuff, you're better, and then the high squeaky stuff, which is your consonants, is starting to slightly worsen, then you still probably work with something that's just an amplifier. But you have to look at your tolerance levels from that point. You know, is there anything that makes you uncomfortable around you while you're wearing the product? If you are, it's hitting a tolerance level, and then that can shift your hearing as well. So you've got to make sure that the floor, which is your volume, is good, and your output, which is the max part of your product isn't too loud because those two need to be manipulated in order for a person to be able to hear and be successful. So most patients that come in that go with the more sophisticated type of product is those who have a sloping hearing loss or a ski sloping hearing loss. means that their hearing's really good in the lower frequencies, which is the heavy stuff, which is your vowels, but their consonants have like shot off the board. That is someone who most likely dealt with a lot of noise in the past. They shot guns, used saws, power tools, been exposed to noise over a period of time. Those people are the ones that are most likely will go to the more advanced technology because you have to be very frequency specific with those individuals. And I've had patients that have those type of losses and try to wear an amplifier and they reject them every single time they go in the drawer. And they tell me, I tried this amplifier, but it doesn't work for me. Everything's just way too loud by the time I get it loud enough to understand. And then when I go to turn it down so it's not too loud, then it's too low. You know, so it's one or the other. So most of the time you want to go with something that's more frequency specific and then something that's going to help you separate speech from noise. Well, do, do more sophisticated units adjust amplification automatically? Um, it does. It has a lot of automatic features. 
We have to, of course, the specialist has to verify what's most important to you and make sure your product's doing what you want it to do, not what the specialist wants it to do. So that has a lot, lot to do with how fittings are done. Communication number one, got to communicate. You got to tell them what's going on. Your specialist is not going to be able to just touch it and make it all perfect. So you have to work together. You're looking six to six to ten, six to ten thousand sounds out there around you. You need to know what you're dealing with, and a specialist can help you with that. And I'd assume after a while, these instruments have to be updated. That's correct. Yes, sir. Um, I've had some patients that wear hearing aids that are supposed to be up to 10 years. And then you have some patients that are wear their hearing aid up to 15 years. And that may not be good, but they can't afford to do anything differently. The thing is, when your prescription changes, you need to go in and reset that product that you're wearing to meet your new target, your new prescription. So if you're dealing with a hearing instrument that is programmable, that is going to be your best bet because you can have it manipulated at least three to four different types of levels. I mean, I'll give you an example. Three years from now, your hearing has changed, and now we need to go in and reprogram the hearing aid. Well, it's your hearing aid. We go back in, we retest, we reprogram, reset the one that you already have, meet your new target, off you go. You should be able to at least do that two to three times with a set of hearing aids. Today, we are with audioprosthologist Victoria Brattan from Dowdy's Hearing Care Associates in Nightdale and Rocky Mount. This is Access Health Radio on FM 98.5 and AM 680 WPTF. Welcome back. Uh, we're with audio prestologist Victoria Brattan. And Victoria, what happens if a patient isn't using their hearing instrument enough? So if the patient doesn't wear their hearing aid at least eight hours a day, they're really not doing themselves any good. They're putting their brain on a yo-yo. They want their hearing to plateau, meaning you want to be able to wear the hearing aid at least eight to 16 hours a day. We prefer 16 hours a day every day. And what will happen over time, your brain will start understanding better even without your hearing aids in. That's where your brain has been retrained and reprogrammed, and that's what you want. That's what you want. But what will happen, most patients, they'll do that, and then they'll go three months without wearing their hearing aids because they think, oh, my hearing's corrected now. My hearing aid fixed my hearing. No, it fixed your understanding levels. Because your brain has gone a long period of time without hearing. So you fix that part of it by wearing your hearing aid every day like you're supposed to. And then you stop wearing the hearing aid. Well, then after about three months not wearing the hearing aid, what happens? Patient comes back and says, I'm not hearing anymore. Well, wear your hearing aids. Then you'll get your understanding levels back again. So most people don't realize hearing aids do not just amplify. They retrain your brain. So if your hearing changes, you change your prescription. If you have a hearing loss, you get fitted with hearing aids. You wear them every day. That's why it's important for them to be comfortable. And that's our number one thing is make sure they're comfortable. The problems that we have patients get in the shower with them on because they'll forget they're wearing them. Ooh. So we have to put little signs out, put it outside your shower, put it outside your bathtub. Make sure it's the last thing you take out other than your glasses before you get in the shower. You know, make sure them hearing aids come out. But, yeah, the prescription is very important. So if it does get an unexpected bath or shower, what do you do? 
I mean, I don't think it's like a cell phone. You could put it in rice and expect it to dry out, right? <laughs> it don't always work that way. It doesn't. But patients, we tell them to take the battery out immediately. If we get, get, get them wet, bring them on into the office. We'll put them in the dry chamber, draw the moisture out of them. We'll vacuum everything out. We'll try to save the hearing aid for them. And if we can't save it, then, of course, we'll see what we can do. But if, if we can save it, then that's a plus. But we ask patients, don't put a battery back in it. Don't try to save it yourself because you might fry it. Just bring it to us, let us do the job for you. Which is a good segue because you can repair instruments, even those that weren't bought from you. We work with everyone, and you don't have to buy from me for me to help you. I'll help you. I'm not going to push you and pressure you to try to buy something else either. I'm going to help you with what you have. You come from me for a reason, and you're saying, help me. Okay, just tell me what I need to do. And I would think with amplifiers, there's really not much adjustments you can do. Yeah, they're just straight amplifiers. They amplify everything to be the same, uh, volume to be the same. Like I said, if you got sloping loss, you st- stay away from those. You'll know immediately you put an amplifier on that it's not what you want. You'll, you'll see the pr- improvement. Hey, I can hear, I can understand, but it's way too much. Doesn't that come down to being fitted properly, though? Yep, that's why a specialist is the better choice. Um, you know, I have patients say, well, I went and bought this from the store over the counter, and it cost me blah, 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 blah. But how much is it going to cost you in the long run because you're wearing something that doesn't meet your prescription and you shift your hearing? That's going to cost you a whole lot more in the long run to fix it. So you're better off letting somebody go ahead and fit you right. After a while, regardless of the hearing instrument, they have to be replaced, right? Yes. Um, well, you have some manufacturing companies that will uh, make their products obsolete within like four years. Some are six years. They discontinue the product. Um, but I can work with hearing aids up to 10 years, even if the person's product has been discontinued. Uh, we can go through another co- company. It's an all-make company that actually will repair the patient's hearing aids. So 10 year is your magic number. 10 years, nobody will fix them. Once you get to that point, parts are too much of a problem. Can't find them. We have another segment coming up with audio prestonologist Victoria Brett-Tan from Downey's Hearing Care Associates and Hearing Aid Urgent Care in Nightdale and Rocky Mount. This is Access Health Radio on FM 98.5 and AM 680 WPTF. Let's talk about sudden hearing loss in our last segment here. I recently played golf with uh, someone that suffered a sudden loss of hearing and it turned out to be tinnitus. Are there warning signs for this? Not necessarily. A lot of it can be just under, I would say, conditions that have not been actually been detected at this time. A person can have high blood pressure, could cause ringing in the ears. A patient could have a virus that attacks the ear that actually causes a problem with the ear. Um, it sounds like to me if he had a sudden hearing impairment, then there could be a virus that attacked the ear. If he has ringing involved in the ear, is it one-sided or two-sided? If it's one-sided, a lot of times we really want to assess that and figure out what's going on because it could be something growing in the middle ear or on the auditory nerve to the brain. So that's important to make sure that that's not an issue. Most of the time, a lot of times when it is a very quick, sudden hearing impairment, the virus has actually attacked the ear. It was one-sided, by the way. He he said he's learning to live with it, but uh, do you have other concerns 
concerns with someone with that condition? Well, my main concern for him would be make sure he doesn't have a medical condition first. That would be the main thing. If he has not seen an ear, nose, and throat doctor regarding his issue, and I'm not talking about his MD. I'm talking about an ear, nose, and throat doctor. If he has not seen his ear, nose, and throat doctors regarding that issue, then that's the first thing that I'll be looking at is to test him to make sure he doesn't have a medical condition that needs to be addressed. Tell me this. Are there devices which can help people with ringing in the ear issues? Uh, yes, we have we have technology that has tennis maskers in them, uh, so we can actually go in and mask out the sound that's going on in the person's head. We can cover it up. For some individuals, uh, it can cover it up completely, So and, and all they hear is the other sound versus the sound that's going on in their head. But my main objective is to try to get rid of the ringing. That's what I look at. Most of the time when a person has a hearing impairment and they're fitted with hearing aids, 80% of the people ringing will go away while they're wearing their product. Then you got another 10% over 18-month period, the ringing will stop completely. Then you have another 10% it won't do anything. It won't make it better. It won't make it worse. So it all depends on where the ringing is coming from. Is it a true hearing impairment that the person has and they've got ringing issues from the impairment? Or is it chemical related? Is it an underneath some type of health condition that needs to be addressed as well. That's what we look at is where does that patient need to go from that point. It ain't always about the hearing aid and it ain't always about being fitted with hearing aids. It's about making sure there's not a problem there that needs to be addressed in another way. So if someone came in with ringing in the ears, uh, there is something you can do. If not, you refer them to someone else. Mm-hmm. So I try to be a one-stop shop kind of thing of, okay, if I can't help you, who can I refer you to that I think will do the job or needs to do the job for? You say the biggest problem with a lot of folks, it may take them five years to head in the office, and really they should have been in there five years earlier. And I'm wondering if people are actually kind of compensating and hurting themselves even more by turning up the volume of of their earphones and their TV sets. Yes, sir. Uh, Is that a reality? Yes, sir. It is a reality. If a person has a hearing impairment and now they're turning the volume up higher in order to be able to hear, once they get to a certain threshold, which is about 84 dB, then they can start shifting that hearing again. And it's very easy to get yourself into that type of environment or even increase the volume on your headset or the television or your telephone trying to hear better. And then you're just causing more of a threshold shift. That's why it's important to have your hearing tested. And if you've never had your hearing tested before, an easy way to explain this, um, you have 30,000 hair cells inside of your inner ear. We cannot test all of them in a day. So we have to pick nine octaves or nine main areas of the ear, and we test those, those nine octaves. Then they tell us what's going on with the hearing, the threshold itself. Then we move from that point. So we look at testing, retesting, and then doing the comparison between the two to make sure that the baseline is still stable and that hearing doesn't actually shift. If you want to follow up with Victoria, you can do so at Downey's Hearing Care Associates and Hearing Aid Urgent Care, 3009 Village Park Drive in Nightdale and 1356 Bevenue Plaza in Rocky Mount. On the web at downeasthearingcare.com and your email... Down East Hearing at yahoo.com. Okay. Victoria Patan has been with us from Down East Hearing Care Associates, and you can tune in every third Sunday of the month. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you.
You know, sunscreens often now will say they're waterproof. You know, waterproof SPF uh, 50 makes it sound like you put it on and you wouldn't get any sun for days. Uh, but these do lose their effectiveness quickly if you've got lots of sweating or swimming. So, you know, at a minimum, you want to reapply these within 30 minutes of getting out of the water. And some screens will be as effective when they're applied to wet skin. Um, so that, uh, you know, if you try to put them on wet skin, they won't stick as well. So you need to be dry ideally when you put it on. Um, and 30 minutes prior to, to being exposed to the water so it can actually, you know, be on your skin and set before you get in the water uh, is ideal. That concludes the show. And our scripture this week is from John 16, 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Show. And we look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.